Welcome back. Into the great Scott show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Kattengill joins me now for the Pro Nola segment as he does each and every Friday. Good morning, Gus. I know these are busy times, man. I appreciate you making the time. How are you on this Friday? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm good, man. We're going to talk Saints, obviously, but let's start with the Pelicans because I I haven't really talked much Pels with you on this show uh, in a while. But, uh, you know, they had their preseason opener. They're in training camp. You are the host of the pregame, halftime, and postgame show on the Pelicans radio network. You're at practices. You've got the insight. You're tied into this franchise. What is your opinion right now on the hype surrounding this team? Is it the right amount of hype, not enough hype, or too much hype? I might even throw in one that you didn't just say, which was uh, I understand the hype. I, I, I think – because you could answer all of them to an extent, right? I mean, there is too much hype for a team that only won just over 30 games, haven't accomplished really enough to warrant, I guess, hype per se, right? I mean, you don't you don't know. It's a lot of unknowns, and so you could somewhat say maybe too much. Um, not enough hype could be an answer if you judge it on the fact that I think this team has tremendous potential to, I think, legitimately be a team that's going to be tough to knock out um, in seven games. And I think you go to last year where I've said it on your show and when you've come online, Scott, where I think watching that series against Phoenix, I don't know if the Pels gave the rest of the NBA a blueprint because the Suns struggled after that series as well, but you look at that series, and I think if if Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum don't tire out a little bit, I think late in those games, and and there was just some other scoring, I think the the Pelicans win that. You know, I mean, like, I, I remember the next day, on May 1st, opening up the show saying, man, I can't shake the feeling I have that if Zion Williamson plays in that series, I think they beat him. And and the Suns had the best season Phoenix has ever had. And in terms of win totals... Regular season, sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's... So, that was crazy to say that, but I felt it. And, And I could explain it. And I could you know, at least hypothesize it. So when you do get a physically healthier Zion and an athletically healthier Zion and you see all the pieces together, I, I get it, man, because I, I, I've i been saying last couple of days and even when we opened the show on Tuesday in our pregame, Scott, that this is different than the hope and the excitement and hype you've had in the past. This isn't, we hope that the draft pick that the Pills have is going to want to be here, is going to be the face of the franchise, is going to be the next Chris Paul, the next Anthony Davis, the next whatever. We're not hoping that the free agent acquisition, as you've often referred to many times, 
that you likely had to overpay to convince to come to New Orleans because no one wants to come to New Orleans will pan out. Your Bledsoe, your you know, other Ugh, free man. agents that didn't pan out like you wanted, even to an extent Devontae Graham last year. Hoping that the players on this team actually want to be here. You're not hoping the fans pay attention. You're not this, – this, this is different. This is – the Pels are good. You know, you're not hoping the coach works out. You, you know where the coach is. You know where the team is. You legitimately this season got no an identity. You know who the Pelicans are. The Pelicans are going to play defense first and then go out. I mean, like, you, you at least have some semblance of a blueprint of what that team is going to be. You know the roster. It's basically back. So it's going to help you in that it's going to take you less time to acclimate, less time to get people to learn how to play together. I think it's, that's what you saw with the Bulls. I think it's a reason for me that you can consider talking about hype, that I can see them being a top six, top four team, because I think once the opposing team's starting fives get off the court or they suffer injuries or the Pelicans suffer injuries, they're better suited to handle it. Last year, Brandon Ingram gets hurt, it's an L. It's a walking L. Like, literally, the statistics told you if Brandon Ingram doesn't play, it's over. And that was before the C.J. McCollum trade. So, I don't see that this year. He did in the preseason game. Ray Murphy, who was arguably, possibly, I think, going to be like this year's Herb Jones. He can have that kind of influence. They both didn't play, and they scored 40 points in the first quarter. So, again, I... I, I understand all of those levels of hype, but I would say the one thing that is a, a constant is there's a reason legitimately for the hope, I think, of this basketball team. 1033, the GOAT simulcast on 1420, the greatest sports talk of all time. It's the great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. That is Gus Kattengel. Um, You know, it's interesting hearing you talk, not even talking much about Zion, and that's telling. Right, bingo. I mean, it, it, you you saw what you saw last year. You add Zion to the mix. You have continuity, and you got a lot of guys. All your key players under contract for multiple years. Doesn't feel like there's a ticking clock. Doesn't feel let's win or else I'm out of here type of attitude. It's all very different heading into the season. Having said that, New Orleans still may not be the market that's going to attract super free agents in basketball. It just it hasn't been. But that's another. Win in terms of this 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 subject matter we're talking about. You've got all your key players under contract for for a while, um, and and I do think continuity plays. And and yes, maybe I because I'm there's still a fan of me. I'll always put a futures championship on any team I root for, no matter how long the odds are. But I you know do I think the Pelicans are going to actually win a championship this year? No. Do I think they're going to make a big jump from a year ago and be one of the fun teams to watch and start building to become a legitimate contender the next few years? Absolutely. And I think 44 and a half on some of these sites, I'm taking the over. Well, they, they were 10 games under 500 last year in the regular season. Yeah, I know. I watched it every game, and I know why they started 1-12, and and I know why they started 3-16, and 16, and I saw what I saw with my own eyes and the culture change, and no team that was in the playoffs last year added a player to their team this year as talented and as good as the Pelicans did. They added Zion Williamson. There, there, there's not a team that was in the postseason last year, Gus, if you want to say, oh, Vince, no, no, not Ben Simmons. Sorry, no, absolutely not, right? The, the Pelicans 
are adding Zion Williamson to a playoff roster. Of every free agent move, of all the offseason moves, there isn't a bigger move among playoff teams from a year ago. Now, I know it's, it's, it's you know, semantics. Well, he was already on the team, and he was this. He didn't play a single second last year. So they are adding somebody that talented. He's got a new personal chef. He's got a new personal trainer. He has a new, what feels like, Lisa. I mean, it, I, I, I typically with this team, I just kind of prepare myself for pain. Am I naive to not do that? Am I being a sucker right now, Gus, to not just prepare myself to get hurt? Or are we are we in new territory where I can just be genuinely excited about the start of this out? You know, a little little kind of nervous pit in the back of my stomach that's always kind of just lingering in there. Can I just do away with that this year, or should I still be cautious? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I understand why you would feel that way, right? It's been the team's history. It's been the franchise's history. I mean... Even the franchise players or what have you, I mean, those are the guys that still, you know, were um, injured and stuff. So, I no, I'm lucky. Until you start having seasons where you don't worry about it, you always are going to. But I think that's why I brought up what I did in terms of being able to handle, I think, situations like that, whether it's um, handling a um, – you know, a loss because of injury or something of that nature, I think this team can handle it a lot better than it has in the past because they're deeper. And outside of your starters, you have guys that have been, you know, guys that have started. So you you have a lot of that. And and I think that's the, the thing that, that stands out, man. It's that um, – you have not only the depth to, I think, handle it, but I think you also have stability that you haven't had in a while. You're not starting the season trying to find that identity. The coaching staff gets to know the players, gets to do all those different things. There's there's a lot of um, knowns already, right? I mean, so that would have helped. When you look at last year, why it started that way, well, I mean, you were hoping, prepping, thinking, feeling, being told, the team was too. It wasn't like it was just the media. They internally knew that Zion would be ready for the season, that he would come back in two weeks, that it would come back in November. And by December, he's coming. So uh, until that moment that we've talked about on your show in the past, where I almost think you, you can go to it and you can point to it last year, where the team just said, "All right, you know what? He's not coming back. Or, like we got to we got to shift the focus and, and stop playing the waiting." for the offense to get better when he gets here. And it was the day that they, you know, said he was going to go to to Oregon, and the team switched. They transitioned, right? Willie Green had the conversation with Brandon Ingram. This is your team. I remember that, that day, and then things changed. So you don't have that this year. Because I think even if he didn't start the season, you, you have C.J. McCollum, who's a breeze-like figure in that locker room. You have... Brandon Ingram, who I think took a step in the leadership role and in his game last year. You have guys like Alvarado, Herb Jones, Trey. Oh, like These guys have taken ownership of that team. You no longer look at them's ownership. Tell, you know, they, they need to learn how to win. I think there's a hunger, and I think it goes back to legitimately they have worked all offseason. They have been practicing together. They have been together. Um it's why I think you saw what you saw on on Tuesday, man, where they 
saw, I mean, Devontae Graham said it, it was good for the rookie, and he was happy that the Bulls came back and put the guys in a position where they had to close that game out, like right, to learn that because you can't replicate that at practice. And you saw the energy on the bench, like they were rooting for him. It's a, it's a different atmosphere, Scott. It wasn't, oh, here we go, you know, where a year and a half ago, the Pelicans were a team that could hold on to double-digit leads or, you know, oh, man, here we, this is what's plagued the Pelicans in the past. No one can, can close them out. You see, this is what happens when the starters don't play. That wasn't the case at all. It was no panic. You saw guys make plays. You saw guys, more importantly, Scott, make plays and close out that game defensively. You saw Billy Hernan Gomez with the block. Jason Daniels take the charge. You saw steals. You saw big-time threes to do that. I mean, and that wasn't your starting five. So I think that's why it's different. I'm not saying pack it away like you would, you know, summer clothes in the winter and vice versa. I understand it. But I just think this team is built differently to where hopefully you won't have to that makes sense. No doubt. Gus Cagniel, our guest. We're going to take a quick time out on this Friday. We'll come back, talk some Saints. Oh, man. Are they on the brink? I said last week it was a can't lose. They lost. Now it's a must win. We'll talk about that and more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday, 103.3 The Goat Simulcast on 1420. The greatest sports talk of all time. Dealing with in that school at least What's running through my mind comes through in my walk Two feelings are shown from the And this is me, y'all, me, MC, y'all My name is MCA and I still do what I please And I would like to introduce What's up? I pass the mic to D for a fist full of two Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, 1033 The Goat, Simulcast 1420, the greatest sports talk of all time. Gus Cattengill on with us on a Friday Pronola segment. Gus, we're going to talk Saints, but real quick, man, wild card series this weekend in Major League Baseball. I know your Cubs aren't in it, but uh, you going to watch a little baseball this weekend, man? You into it at all, or you kind of take a pass with all the other stuff going on while your Cubbies sit this postseason out? You know what? My Cubbies close the season in excellent fashion. 15 runs and they win, handing the Reds their 100th loss. And um, that, you know, we were talking about hope a little bit ago, Scott. There's my hope right there. There's no hope next year. Zero hope. <laughs> Until baseball changes what they're doing and the Cubs change what they're doing, that'll be in the same spot next year, looking at your trumpet blaring, dancing, playing Mets. In the postseason, um, you know, dude, it's it's hard to, to, to think that the you know it won't be the Dodgers and somebody uh, in there at all. I do think it's somewhat exciting to have the New York teams in. You know, we talked about it last week. I think Scott about Aaron Judge and market size and how does it matter on your field, and it does have a bigger game atmosphere, right? Uh, in seeing that, so. You know, the Yankees got to buy, but the Mets, you know, will will be playing in the wild card series. I do like that it's a best of three, right? I mean, back in the day, the Cubs have been in it where it's, you know. Oh, that one game, that one game thing was stupid. That was dumb. That was dumb. 
That was well, tough. I mean, look, it's exciting from this standpoint. It, it adds it adds suspense. You, you yeah. can't. You have to win. I mean, there's suspense so tonight. I, I, I mean, you like could, you'll probably get some well, must win Sunday, but I don't know. There's just it's too long God, of a see. It's God, too long of a season. Scott, the NFL has winner go home in the yeah, playoffs. and it's 17 game season, not a hundred. There we go. So, well, it matters. Yeah. I mean, um, but no, look, I do, that's the point. Though. I, I do like the best of three. Um, you know, adding the extra teams and all of that. So I, I think it's great because if not, then you remember when we, you know, were growing up and watching the game. It was it was four teams, two and two, right? I mean, essentially, I mean, you won the NL East, NL West, AL West, AL East, and that was it. That those those were your playoffs, man. It's like now it's nice to kind of see that many teams, you know, in it in those fan bases. And um, I, I thought San Diego underachieved. They're in there as well. It's sort of like I feel that I never got to really finish with the Pels, where I don't know where they're going to finish. And I know we're going to focus a lot on their standings and their spot this year. But that's why I specifically said, can you beat them in seven? And because that's how I, you have to look at it. And when I look at a baseball series, you know, yeah, that's the five, that's the seven. It, hey, Scott, it starts with pitching. How, how many of those teams, you know, have a really good shot when they start the game because of their starter? And and then well, the Mets do unless they're playing the Braves in a must-win series. Oh God! Anyway, right. So yeah. you know, I. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I look. I, I guess since you're my friend, you know, I I, I have a rooting interest in uh, nice in the Mets. You know, I absolutely can't stand the Dodgers. So there you um, go. We'll do that. All right. You know, Just prepare just yourself for pain. The... <laughs> yeah. I got yeah, a lot of friends that are Braves just... fans, and they have uh, they have not let up over the last week. Uh, it's after amazing the Mets what happens when all of a sudden they, uh, they they finally find you know pay dirt. Oh, wow. yeah. Well, uh, I. Let's 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 talk about trying to find pay dirt because the Saints' offense finally found it a little bit on Sunday. The offense was improved a little, uh, and yet you know they're one and three. They lost. Horrible officiating on the Vikings' touchdown drive that that gave them back the lead, uh, but also some horrible mistakes in other aspects of the game, um, and an offense right now that I need to see more out of. I was on your show. We talked about the Saints. Talked about this Sunday's game against Seattle. Is this a can't? Is this is this a must win? I mean, oh, it's only week five. This is a must win. Is it not? Is it not? So I, I I've been using the word pivotal because I mean I almost saw it like last week. You know, was a must win. Carolina, like you can't lose games to teams. To oh, your yeah. point that you were saying on our show that you need to be able to beat because you have the better talent. Now, obviously, in sports and in competition, man, it's about showing it and proving it on the court, unless or the field or the diamond. I mean, it, you know, you talked about my Cubbies. I remember several years, you know, James Bleeping Tony and those Dodgers got hot late. Cubs were the team to beat that year. They blew it. I mean, it's like you, you have to perform. So the paper thing you know, it's a very real thing when you look at what's happening with the Saints right now and that, you know, this is a figure out a way to translate the talent they do have onto onto the field and, and produce. And, you know, on Tuesday, Scott, I have a handful of college football coaches that come on the show 
you know, Will Hall from Southern Miss. I asked I asked all of them on Tuesday, how do you handle and imbue and, and deal with turnovers, penalties, things of that nature? Because I wanted to get, a, you know, a, a take from a coach and how they deal with it. And it was interesting. You know, Will Hall's like, there's got to be some sort of punishment involved if that player keeps doing it. Either they're not going to play anymore or it has to be an understanding. Um, I thought Frank Selfo from the Lions, Southeastern, was was really clear. You know, he's like, it, it, it's mental weakness, he called it. He called it mental weakness. He called it a lot of times because of fatigue, when, you know. So, I mean, it was interesting to hear some of these coaches specifically how they view it how they try to fix it. They all said they do drills. I mean, um, Dennis Allen said it as well for the last couple of weeks. But what I thought was interesting, a lot of times, Scott, it's maybe what we do in our profession. I always, I always try to listen as well as hear what I'm hearing, if that makes sense to you. And one of the things that you brought up about Dennis Allen and the difference between he and Sean Payne, look, we all see the – the way of handling certain situations, right? I mean, I'm sure you've had callers like I've had callers. They, they want to see somebody get yelled at, a chair get thrown. It, look, some quarterbacks and players are demonstrative. Some aren't. Some coaches are. Some aren't, right? Some coaches are the ones ripping off the headset every five seconds like Saban. Some a little more stoic. When things go well, it's no big deal. When they lose, they don't care. There's no fire. Where's the passion? That's how fans work. Right. They want to see perceived accountability, whether it's you know, whether it's real or not, they want to see perceived accountability. We're used to seeing Sean Payton mother yell at Lutz after a missed field goal. Like at Carolina, he would have been in his ear yelling off the field to the bench while he's kicking, turning back right after he takes two steps, another F bomb in slow motion on Fox going to break. I mean, like, we would have seen that, right? That's not Dennis Allen. Doesn't mean he's not angry or upset about it, but he's going to do it. But what I thought was interesting is what Alvin Kamara said on Wednesday. And he said that he and Dennis Allen talked about it. And remember, he's a team captain this year. And he said they talked about it, and I think it was him trying to tell Dennis Allen you know, one of the things that Sean Payton did was hold you accountable right then and there. And I've said this before. One of the things Sean always did at practice was if you ran it wrong, it was stopped. You did it over. He would stop a play in the middle of it. He would stop a play at the beginning. Um, if he didn't like it at the end, we'd start over. He was a stickler for the intricacies of a route, which step you're on if you're doing a you know a 10 yard route on step eight the left foot step nine is the right foot you're turning on 10 i mean i can go over a, a, a handful of things i've heard him say so it was interesting to hear Kamara on wednesday say that we as captains and it starts with me when we see a mistake and he used the word bleep yeah i, I got uh, i got the sound bite right here gus let's let's take a listen the second most penalized team in the, in the league. And, I mean, a lot of those coming to offense and just speaking. Well, now it's now the soundbite decides it's going to uh, freeze <laughs> up. So, oh, here More we go. Specifically to the offense, I think. All right. Well, it doesn't want to cooperate. I'm sorry. Technical difficulty. Yeah. When but we've been good, point, we've then. limited turnovers. I'm just I'm going to stop because it's just going to keep 
keep doing that. But yes, he said, you know, it starts with the captains, Ramchek, Jameis, and Andy, guys like that, just stepping up and being like, yo, that's not acceptable. We can't keep doing it because if we do it in practice and don't say bleep, it ends up happening on Sunday. I mean, that, that's Bingo. the quote. Yeah. Bingo. So I was trying to get to it, but the dang it, audio it would not. You, you know. Right. But so what's it tell you? It tells you that there has been a situation where they have been at practice and maybe, the, uh, and he says it, maybe we've been letting it go. So, you know, again, that's, that's one of those things when you don't have that guy overlooking the offense and doing that, that that's the first instance tangibly from the locker room that we finally have heard. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's notable. Going, yeah. It, yeah, I think it's one of those things that a player, and, and again, he has the clout to be able to go, hey, DA, bro, it's okay. Yell at us. You know, you, you, if you see it happen, say it. You know, they want to be coached hard. They want to be coached harder, perhaps. And I think DA is trying to be like, hey, you know, relying on the team. We have the system sort of thing. And, and again, that's maybe one of those instances where you go, that's the quote-unquote Sean Payton effect. Well, you know, Gus, I, I think it's worth noting that, um, you know, you spent a lot of time making fun of me about, you know, being somewhat critical or, or, or curious about Dennis Allen and just his coaching style. What was his approach going to be to certain things? I said that in training camp. I didn't say he didn't know how to coach, but you you mocked me a lot. You know, these are kind of the things I was talking about, man. And, and, and Alvin Kamara's point, I think, is – is telling. I think you can read between the lines a little bit. So I'm going to ask you for something I know you're not going to give, but would you like to apologize sure. to me? Would you like to apologize? Well, again, specifically, you you wanted to find out if he could run a practice. I mean, you wanted to know if he could run how, not training if, camp, if he could find he would run it. And now we're talking about I how mean, he runs a practice. I mean, yeah. I think this is pretty <laughs> notable, dude. <laughs> I mean, did. come on. <laughs> Didn't specify regular season practice that you're <laughs> I just said I want I'm interested in how he runs I, a practice, how it's different from Sean Payton. And you made fun of me I, for a so month, I, and now you didn't even yeah, realize yeah. it, but you were kind of acknowledging, you know, in your last rant that I was that I was uh, you know, I think maybe I wasn't so off with that. So we're we're both married and we have lost arguments in the past, but uh-huh. will not let it be known that we lost arguments in the past. <laughs> so what I'm going to say, Scott, is that the specifics of a practice is something that Dennis Allen can do and understand. It's maybe intangible or certain characteristics and traits that make Sean Sean that maybe this team is either used to or missing. You know, you brought up in-game adjustments, um, the, the passion and fire and energy, the unacceptability of it. Um, and, and look, and you know, sometimes – Along those lines of being married, yeah, we, we know when the missus is not happy with us, right? And, and we maybe said something or did something, and here comes the car in the driveway. And I'm like, car, get get up. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, the house gets a little more clean a little quickly. I'm like, I just I know what's coming. That's Sean. Yeah. Like, that's Sean. You knew yeah. if you bleeped up or didn't do well, you know what's coming. And that does add an element of you know, the state of readiness, the state of alert, the state of, man, you better have your stuff together, you know, to it. And you maybe do wonder, based off of what you hear him say, if there's a comfortableness that has maybe settled into the building. And it's something that I did bring up to you 
that a lot of people that work there said. It's just it's a more relaxed atmosphere. Well, <laughs> there's such a thing as too relaxed. relaxed. Yeah, there's such yeah. a thing as too relaxed. Gus Kattengill, our guest, Pronola segment, 103.3 The Goat Simulcast on 1420. I'm Scott Braith of The Great Scott Show. Uh, just a few more questions for you, Gus, then we'll let you run. Um, Andy Dalton versus Geno Smith. This is what we got Sunday. Saints, Seahawks. I said on your show, I think the Saints will actually win, but not in a, a way that makes you feel necessarily great about where the team's going. Um, I remember a win in 2016 or 15, maybe 16. The Saints beat the Bucks. It was actually it was the Kyrie Robinson walk-off win where he ran for a touchdown in overtime. Uh, actually, no, that wasn't it. No, they beat the – never mind. They beat the Vikings 20-9, to like, early in the season. This was back when they had, you know, the 2014 through 2016 stretch. It was it was a game they won, but you just – you didn't feel great about where the team was going after that. And it's kind of how I feel about it this week. I'm not – it's going to be 2016. I don't know what it's going to be, though. I'm not feeling very confident right now about the team as I was a month ago, uh, and that's because of how they've played, obviously. But I'm predicting a Saints win – and yet, I don't think it's going to be this beautiful um, you know, aesthetic that's pleasing to the eye. But you know what? It's going to be better than a loss. That's that's my prediction. A win that doesn't make you feel great about the future, but makes you feel a whole lot better Sunday night and Monday morning when you wake up because they won. What is your prediction? Um, maybe you can actually have some football analysis since I had none uh, with my prediction. But what's your prediction for Sunday? Um. I liked hearing not only from Alvin Kamara, but other players this week specifically talk about some of the elements that they know that they're missing and stuff. And look, and I, and I get it. It, it. From a fan standpoint, you're like, I don't want to hear you close. I want to hear you fixing. I don't want to hear that you know what the problem is doing. It. But, you know, like in any, there is a problem. You have to know what the problem is before you fix it. And, you know, one of the things that I've been talking about on our show is about that. You know, you heard players – Tyron Matthew and a couple of others Sunday after the game in London say that they're close. They know they're close. They have to, you know, to do that. And, and look, obviously there's two sides and elements to that. If you're a team or you're a player, you're not going to sit there and, and be like, man, we're terrible. We can't win. We're not going to be able to do this or that and, and not have confidence and hope that you can turn things around when you still do have some season left. So I, there is an, an expected sense of well, what else do you expect the players to say? I, I get that. But, you know, can you point to specifically why they feel that it's close and are you close and can they can do that? And I do feel that. They're, they're not a team that doesn't have talent, starters, right? I, I don't – so for starters, I don't feel that. I feel that they can turn it around because they do have players. Um, shooting themselves in the foot if they execute better and don't turn it over – and these are players that you trust that can. These aren't, as I said to you on Wednesday, Scott, these aren't rookies. This is Alvin Kamara. This is Mark Ingram. These are Pro Bowl players. This is an all-pro kick returner. Um, this is a, I don't know, 10-plus-year quarterback that thought he had the football secured. It got, it's just, but it, it comes back to matching the intensity, understanding the moment, and, and, and going out there, the old – cliches, man, where, you know, backs against the wall, wounded animal, things of that nature. The problem is the Saints have been playing teams that have been playing that way, and they haven't. Go back to the, perhaps 
maybe too relaxed of an atmosphere, right? I mean, I think the Saints feel, hey, we're going to still, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. We're good enough. And they know they have the talent. The problem is when you play the Falcons, disrespect the Panthers, it's time to stop the losing streak at nine. You know, the Buccaneers, we're tired of hearing we can't beat you. You know, I, it's, it's all of those things. They played with more passion and energy last week. They just couldn't overcome the mistakes and the officiating on one drive where they got three third down, you know, extending penalties on defense. So you're, you are close. You are closer. And I do think that it's not player speak or coaches speak because I think because of that, you can. I, I think you can win. If they don't do those things, they're, they're going to be a winning football team. It's that simple. I mean, so I, I – I hear that this week. I see it getting better. And whether fans agree with it or not, from Nick Underhill to Jeff Nowak to Triplett to Luke Johnson, I mean, I've seen Triplett, you know, um, Duncan, Fox, Sean Fazan, you name it. Everyone this week posted how the Saints offensive line probably had their best week of the season last year, that they're seeing improvement by the week, that Cesar Ruiz just finished his best game as a Saint. And I understand Saints fans like, what? I hear you. I'm just telling you the people that spend all week, like, not hanging out with their families and watching video and all that stuff, that's what they do. So I'm going to trust them that it's getting better from that standpoint of it. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of what I look at. And so, yeah, I, I think they are going to win, man. I, I, I get Geno Smith and the Hawks just got done putting up 48 and, you know, you don't feel comfortable or confident about the Saints, but you know what? I, I'm going to trust AK. He had a lot of, as he likes to say, juice in the on Wednesday. I think he looks forward to getting out there, and I think a nice, quick, good start, some early points in that first quarter gets the dome rocking, and people are just ready to see some winning football. All right, great stuff. Gus Cattengill has been our guest. We've talked Pelicans. By the way, everyone should listen to C.J. McCollum's new ESPN podcast. He had Brandon Ingram on yesterday. It was fantastic. Everyone should listen to Gus weekdays, noon to 3, ESPN 100.3 New Orleans. My last question, and then we will bid you adieu. Thank you for taking the time, as always. Had you caught the Aaron Judge 60-second home run ball, what would you have done with it? Had I what? I couldn't hear you. If you had caught Aaron Judge's 60-second home run ball, what would you have done with it? What would I have done with it? Yeah, I mean, um, would you sell it to the highest bidder, right? Carver's College. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, there's, 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 there's there, I, 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 we put it on Facebook this week, and there were a lot of. I'd yeah. give it back. I'd get an autograph. Yeah. I'd do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah and and you Aaron would, you Smith. would, you would not get over it because you would, you would at some and point Aaron be Aaron like, what was I thinking? Yep. He wants it. Yeah, he can no, buy it. If someone else either. wants it, they can buy it. All right. I got, I got a family to absolutely. feed. Absolutely. Yeah, no, look, it, I mean, like I said, I, you know, I, Aaron can have it, and he's about to sign a $300, you know, $300 million plus contract. Just give me 100 Gs, and we're good. You know, give me enough to get my my son through college, and I, I'll make that transaction in the locker room. You know, he can cut me a check. <laughs> I, I, if he doesn't want it, someone else will. Highest bidder. Take it. I'll pay right. the taxes off that year. Be done with it. And, uh, yeah, cool. Move on. You can have the baseball. Yeah. Gus, uh, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Uh, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. You got it. All right. Uh, coming up next, we will chat with Alex George.
Alex George. She's been on the program before. Uh, she will now be a recurring. So Alex uh, is out of New York City, but she grew up in Atlanta. Actually, was born in Puerto Rico, but spent most of her childhood in Atlanta. She is an NIL social media and influencer manager at AG Media. She's also a huge Braves fan and probably has a thing or two to say to me after what unfolded last week on the Diamond in Atlanta. Uh, she's also a Georgia fan. We'll talk a little bit about what you do with a home run ball and just sports memorabilia in general. We'll talk MLB, college football, betting. It's all coming your way. Open phone lines after that. I think I'll give away a Twin Peaks gift card or two later in the 8 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. It's a Gimme All You Got Friday. On the Great Scott Show on 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420. It's the greatest sports talk of all time. Cause you can't, you won't, and you don't stop.